night is between yesterday and tomorrow. Between yesterday and tomorrow. And I'd like to begin by drawing a map here on the whiteboard. I'm not a real, a real good artist. But over here, we've got Alaska. And over here, we have Russia. And here, this body of water is called the Bering Strait. And in the Bering Strait between Alaska and Russia, there are two islands. And down between these two islands runs the International Dateline. It comes right down through here. And I think it goes something like that. Now, these two islands are known as Yesterday Island and Tomorrow Island, or Little Diomede Island and Big Diomede Island. Now, Little Diomede Island, or Yesterday Island, is American, and Big Diomede Island, or Tomorrow Island, is Russian. Now, these two islands, they're about 2.4 miles apart, and both the border and the international dateline run right down between these two islands. Now this creates a 21-hour time difference when residents on Yesterday Island wake up, their neighbors over on Tomorrow Island are eating the next day's breakfast. When the U.S. purchased Alaska from Russia back in 1867, the residents mostly Eskimos continued to coexist as they had for many generations. They would travel back and forth across the ice bridge from uh, both islands, and their cultures would pretty much assimilate into one. They would intermarry, even though there was a 2.4-mile difference and a 21-hour time difference that separated them. Now, during the Cold War, travel between the two islands was forbidden, and many of the residents from Russia's Tomorrow Island moved back to Siberia. They were displaced to Siberia, and presently there's a weather station and a military base there on Tomorrow Island. Now, approximately 77 U.S. citizens live on Yesterday Island, and they live a traditional lifestyle, hunting sea lions and harvesting fish and crabs and from their windows they can see Tomorrow Island 21 hours and 2 miles away now as i con contemplated this unique geographical situation my mind began to make some spiritual comparisons there's many people that live on the island of yesterday and they're living in regret and they're wishing that they could redo the past the choices, the memories of the island of yesterday continually, continually haunt them and rob the joy of the present. Perhaps they live on the island of yesterday wishing today was as wonderful as the good old days. Or they're wishing they could relive the past with all of its wonderful glory. And then there's others 
who are living on the island of tomorrow, and they're hoping that they will win the lottery, or they're hoping that the next prime minister's programs will be better than the existing ones, or they're hoping that the benefits of their new job will outweigh the benefits of the old one. Somehow, they hope that the promise, the fulfillment, the thrill will be found on the island of tomorrow. They're ruining the future, the possibilities of the future, because of how they're embracing the present. Now, the burden of our message tonight is that the real-time choices that we make on the red line in the present, that what, that's what the international date line represents in our message tonight, is the present. And that the choices that we make today, what kind of choices can we make that will be help us to have help the island of yesterday and the island of tomorrow be a place of hope and happiness. Now, the present is not very long. The words that I said are already history. How long is the present? How long is now for those who live in the present? Here's what one source had to say. We, te- we tend to think of now as this current instant a moment with no duration. But if now were timeless, we wouldn't experience a succession of nows as time passing. Neither would we be able to perceive things like motion. We couldn't operate in the world if the present had no duration. So how long is it? That sounds like a metaphysical question. But neuroscientists and psychologists have an answer. In recent years, they have amassed evidence indicating that now lasts an average of two to three seconds. That's how long now is, two to three seconds. This is the now that you are aware of, the window within which your brain fuses what you are experiencing into a psychological present. Now is surprisingly long. The choices we make in the two to three second window, which is the present, will have a big impact on both our future and our past. I'd like to turn to Hebrews chapter 4, and we want to discover some principles that will help us make right choices in the present. Principles that will help us make right choices now, today. Hebrews chapter 4, I'd like to read this entire chapter. This is a beautiful portion of Scripture. All Scripture is beautiful, but I especially like Hebrews chapter 4. It says here, let us, let us therefore fear, lest a, promise being left of, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place on the Sabbath day on this wise, and God did rest the Sabbath day from all his works. And in this place, again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth, that some must enter therein. And they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, Today 
after so long a time, as it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that has entered into his rest, he hath also ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession." For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us come there, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, both chapter 3 and chapter 4 make reference to God's people making the wrong choice in the present. And those choices ruined both, they ruined their their future, and it produced a life of regret. Now, God's people, they had seen His miraculous deliverance. They had seen, I I just read the other morning, the story there again in Exodus where God opened the Red Sea and how that that pillar of cloud came around behind them and protected God's people from the back, and how God opened that Red Sea, opened it wide for His people to go through. He made a way for them to escape. They had seen how He had sent bread from heaven. They had seen how He had sent water from the rock. And yet they fell short of the future rest of Canaan. It was almost in their grasp. They were right there on the doorstep. And yet they didn't make it in. They fell short. I'd like to look at four choices we must make in the present that will help to protect us from a ruined future and a regretful past. And I'm going to write them right on the international date line, right on the present. Present time choices. Number one is we need a healthy fear. Number one is we need a healthy fear. Verse 1 says, let us therefore fear. Now there's a healthy fear and there's an unhealthy fear. There's a fear that protects and there's a fear that paralyzes. Mysophobia is a fear of dirt. Hydrophobia is a fear of water. Nyclophobia is a fear of darkness. Acrophobia is a fear of high places. Taxophobia is a fear of being buried alive. Exenophobia is a fear of strangers. Necrophobia is a fear of the dead. Claustrophobia is a fear of confined spaces. Triskaidophobia is a fear of the number 13. You know that? Some people are afraid of number 13. 
there's some apartments or hotels that they're missing the 13th floor. Not really, but there's no 13th floor, and it's for that reason. The fear referenced here, I believe, is a reverence and a respect for God and also an awareness of our humanity. An awareness of our humanity. And we all need that. You know, an arrogance and an overconfidence is a recipe for disaster. I was listening to a message on the way over here, and the speaker was talking about temptation. And he brought out the point how a haughty spirit goeth before a fall. And you know, so many times, the reason that we fall to temptation is because there's a spirit of of arrogance and overconfidence in our lives. Joseph had a healthy fear of God and it protected him. Joseph didn't ruin his future and he didn't need to live with a life of regret because he made the right choice in the present. He was able to flee temptation that would have made most men fall. Because he feared God. He said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? The lazy steward had an unhealthy fear. And that fear paralyzed him. And he buried his talent in the, in the earth. And when the, the master came and wondered what he did with it, he said, well, I feared thee that you're a, you're a harsh man. And I, I just buried it in the earth. He had an unhealthy fear. You know, we can make the same mistake. We can focus on what appears as God withholding something from us and giving it to others. Maybe that's what was wrong with that steward. I don't know. Possessing and maintaining a real-time fear of God and awareness of our potential to fall will help us make choices, the right kind of choices in the present. So how can we develop and maintain a proper fear and a reverence and respect for God that will help produce a happy past and a hopeful future. Well, I believe one of the things we need to do is focus on the freedom of God's boundaries. That's what Joseph did. He focused on the freedom of God's boundaries and he had no regrets. God gives us rules. He gives us his word to protect our freedom. He knows where we would end up if we didn't have some guidelines, if we didn't have some parameters. His word is given to us to protect our freedom. God's laws, His boundaries, protect us from the destruction and the devastation that living or following our flesh brings us. God's boundaries bring rest and security to our hearts. The second thing is don't find fault with God's fairness. God is always fair. He's always just. Job said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Don't focus on what you think God has withheld from you. That was the unjust that was the unjust steward's problem. He was focusing on what he didn't get, I believe, rather than on what God did give to him. Life is not always fair. <laughs> and it doesn't take very long until we get that figured out. But God is. God is always fair. He's always just. We can always count on him. In fact, God gives us a whole lot more than what is fair. A whole lot more than what we really deserve. You see, so many times we fall short, we run out of gas, the battery goes dead when we fear man and what they think, or ourselves and what we want, because the source of that is me, and that always runs out of gas real fast. 
a healthy fear, a respect for God, an awareness of our humanity and our need of Him will keep us from coming up short. And you notice it says that here in verse 1, lest any of you should seem to come short of it. It's speaking about the rest that God has given to His people. I believe that's a present rest and a future rest. And it's possible to come short. And that word short there, it has the idea of failing to reach a goal or a standard. You know, if you go to Tim Hortons and you got a loony and three quarters, you almost have enough, but not quite. And you go and try and buy a medium coffee with that, you're going to fall short. You're going to be 10 cents short. Well, maybe 12 cents short. If you serve the Lord faithfully, For 65 years. And you turn your back on him. The last five years of your life. You're going to fall short. God's people made it all the way from Egypt. Through the Red Sea. Through that waste howling wilderness. Through the hunger and the heat. Of the Sinai Desert. They made it all the way to the border of Canaan. And they fell short. (laughs) That's not God's will for us. That's not his desire. None of us tonight want to fall short, and we don't have to. Why did God's people fall short? It's because they feared the giants more than they feared God. All right, the next present tense decision that we must make is we need to have heedful ears. And verse 7 talks about this, heedful ears. Today, if you will hear his voice. Let's turn back to chapter 3. We have, these are interesting verses back here in chapter 3. They use the word today. They use the, the present tense quite a bit. In, in, in chapter 3, verses 7 to 15, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, in the day of temptation, in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath that they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. Today is right now. It means the present. Now, your ears are an amazing creation. Did you know that without your ears, you would lose your balance? Did you know that your ears keep growing with age? Did you know that? Makes sense. The harder, the older we get, the harder it is to hear, and the bigger the receivers need to get. It, God, God designed it very well. Ears are self-cleaning. The self-cleaning option has been around for much longer than what the ovens are. Ears never sleep. Your ears are always awake. So we really don't have a good excuse not to hear. 
Now, sometimes we have this problem. It's called selective hearing, and it's not the fault of our ears. Rather, it's the result of what our hearts are telling our ears to listen to and what, they're te- what our heart is telling our ears to ignore. Now, the word harden is used a number of times here, and that word harden means to indurate. It means to harden. It means to render stubborn. Now, with most substances, the hardening process is gradual. You pour concrete, and you usually have a fair amount of time to work with it before it hardens. Now, there has been times when, when uh, there's been too much accelerator put in the concrete, and you hardly have time to finish it because it hardens so fast. Steel can also be hardened by heating it up to an extremely high temperature and then cooling it, quickly cooling it off. You men know the frustration of trying to drill hardened steel with a cheap bit. Something that is hard is difficult to penetrate. And a heart that is hard is difficult to direct. Now, there is something that is able to penetrate the heart, and we read about that in in verse 12. That's a wonderful verse, and that's the Word of God, and it says it's going to get right down in there and and divide asunder between the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow. The Word of God is able to get in where many other substances cannot. Now, when we hear the truth, we are faced with a decision. And it's a present, real-time decision. It's a decision we need to make in that two- to three-second window. What are we going to do with it? Now, when someone rejects truth, when they refuse to face it or follow its direction, that hardening process starts to take place in a person's heart. And the longer they reject that truth, the harder the heart becomes. Truth is designed to soften your heart. You know, if we make the right choice when we hear truth, it will soften your heart, and it'll bring you closer to God. It'll bring you closer to the source of truth. Chapter 4 here, verse 2, has got an ingredient that we need if we're going to have ears that hear the truth and hearts that accept it, and that ingredient is faith. Notice that faith is simply accepting and believing God's word, even if we don't fully understand it. Some people say, well, I don't, I'm not going to change. I'm not going to obey until I understand it completely. I don't believe that's faith. You know, the journey of life, I found in my Christian life, there's times that I just need to step out in faith. And as I grow and as I mature, the truth starts to make a little more sense. And it starts to make a lot more sense. And a lot more sense. And you know, God's truth always makes sense. It does. Faith must be mixed with their hearing. Just like you need to mix that oil with the gas when you put it in your chainsaw or your tiller, faith needs to be mixed with hearing. Many people have a regretful past and they're ruining their future because they refuse to hear the message that God sent to them. And God sends his, his, his word, God sends his message. Yes, through his word, sometimes he uses circumstances in life to speak to our hearts. God has ways of getting our attention. What lesson is there for us? 
Well, first of all, place your faith in the right source, in the right source. Place your faith in God's truth. There's a lot of things out there that people are placing their faith in. And I tell you, it takes a lot more faith to believe some of the lies that the world is telling us than what it takes to believe in the truth of God's Word. Secondly, be familiar with the truth. Have your ears tuned to it, your heart saturated with it so that you can discern what you hear. Don't base what you hear on how it makes you feel. Our feelings, they are not, they are not a, a safe guide, but rather apply the truth and accept it even if it hurts. All right, we need to keep moving along here. Number three, to have a happy past and a hopeful future, we need to heartily persevere. It says in verse 11, let us labor, therefore, heartily persevere. Let us labor, therefore. And that word labor means to be diligent. It means to work hard. It means to be earnest. Now, hard manual labor cures a lot of ailments. And yet, we don't come pre-programmed believing that. My dad was convinced of this a little too firmly, I thought, as a young boy. When I was growing up, we wondered why did we always have to do things the hard way. We forked manure, we shoveled corn, we picked stones, and we sometimes muttered under our breath as we looked across the line fence at the neighbors and thought they had life so much easier. My perspective has changed. You know, the lesson that the manure fork taught me, the perseverance of, that the stone picking instilled has given me some invaluable tools for life. And I'm sure that many of you would have the same testimony tonight. Now, it's not our own works that save us. We all know that. And yet, we do have a part in maintaining our salvation. And it says here, let us labor, therefore. It seems that God's people thought, I don't know what they thought, but it seems that they thought that he would chase all the enemies out of Canaan. He would do all the dirty work for them. And he would hand him the keys and he would say, enjoy. That's not the way life is. And it's not the way the Christian life is. The spies' reports came back of what they'd faced, the the giants and the fenced cities, and it looked like a lot of work, a lot of hard work. The Christian life is hard work. It doesn't take much effort to live for the flesh. And yes, it's not our own works that, serve, that, that save us, but if we have faith in the Lord Jesus, it's going to produce works in our lives. And it's going to make us persevere. It's a life of self-denial. It's a life of cross-bearing. And if your heart's not in it tonight, you're not going to make it. Your heart has to be in it. Paul said he needed to press toward the mark. And that word press means pursue. There's pressure. There's labor. Timothy said, study to show yourself approved unto God. And that word study is the same Greek word as labor. Our mindset, our attitude about the Christian life today, about the Christian life right here and now, will make all the difference whether we 
make it or not. For those who are looking for an an easy road to heaven and a fire escape from hell, they're going to be disappointed. They're not going to make it. For those who appreciate, who are grateful for their salvation and willing to pay the price and take up their cross and crucify their selfishness and face the giants and pull down the strongholds, they will have the help of the greatest resource that is available to mankind. Philippians chapter 4 verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Remember all good things. Take hard work. That can be that. That's that way in the natural. That's that way in the spiritual. They will not continue on their own momentum. Movement cannot exist on perpetual motion. The blessings you receive from your Christian life are in direct proportion to the effort that you're willing to put into it. Our choices and efforts today will will directly affect the harvest we reap tomorrow. Number four, the next present tense decision that will affect our past and our future is found in verse 14. And we, it's, we need to hold dear. We need to hold dear. It says, let us hold fast our profession. On a commuter flight from Portland, Maine to Boston, Massachusetts in 1987, the pilot Henry Dempsey heard an unusual noise near the rear of the plane. He turned the controls over to the co-pilot and went back to check it out. As he reached the tail section, the plane hit an air pocket, and Dempsey was tossed against the rear door. He quickly discovered the source of the mysterious noise. The rear door had been improperly latched prior to takeoff, and it flew open. Dempsey was instantly sucked out of the tiny jet. The co-pilot saw the red light that indicated an open door. He radioed the nearest airport, requesting permission for an emergency landing. He reported that the pilot had fallen out of the plane and wanted a helicopter to search the area. After the plane landed, the ground crew found Dempsey holding on to the outdoor ladder of the aircraft. Somehow he had caught the ladder and held on for 10 minutes as the plane flew 200 miles per hour at an altitude of 4,000 feet. And then, when landing, he kept his head from hitting the runway, which was only 12 inches away. According to news reports, it took airport personnel several minutes to pry Dempsey's fingers free from the ladder. He was literally holding on to his profession. Hold fast. Hold fast means to seize. It means to lay hold upon. Like Henry hung on to that ladder. Are you doing that with your profession, with your faith tonight? Our profession is our confession. It's our pledge of allegiance that we as as followers of Jesus have made in our commitment to Him. We made this pledge when we sealed our baptismal vows. And it's something that we need to reaffirm again and again. Hebrews 10 verse 23 says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. Joshua, 
asked God's people this question. He said, how long will you halt between two opinions? You cannot serve God and you cannot serve Baal. You cannot have the the best of both worlds. And tonight we cannot either. Nothing has changed. We read back in Hebrews chapter 3, if we hold fast our confidence steadfast unto the end. And I believe meetings like this this week are an encouragement for us to do that. It is so easy to get lax in our Christian lives. It's so easy to just gradually let go and just gradually let things slip. I know that from experience. Our confidence Hold it steadfast. Our confidence is our trust, our belief, our faith, our conviction, our reliance, our dependence. When you're tempted to let go and to waver in your faith, do this. Look at the trade-off if you do. Look down the road into the future. Look at the island of tomorrow. You let go of your faith. How will that look? Where will it take you? And you'll find it's a really bad deal. There's people that are doing it all around us across Christianity today. They're letting go. And they're making a really, really bad trade. The second thing is inspect what has stolen your first love and ask Jesus to restore it. The Ephesian church didn't lose their first love. They left it. And the reason they left it is because there's something else that replaced it. Jesus wants to restore that first love. Present tense choices that affect yesterday and tomorrow. Number five, we need to humbly draw near. Verse 16, let us therefore come. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Humbly draw near. In this two to three second window called the present, where we make the choices that will affect our past and our future, we're invited to draw near. Draw near to the throne of grace. And we're invited to come boldly. And that word boldly means confidently. That means with a trust and a faith and a dependence. We're coming because we need something. And there's three things that it mentions here that we're going to find when we come to the throne of grace. And the first one is we're going to find a faithful friend. A faithful friend that understands. When you come to the throne of grace, he is there on your behalf. The second thing you're going to find is mercy and compassion. Not condemnation, but when you come, you'll find mercy and compassion. And the third thing you're going to find is grace to help. Divine strength and power. And this, this word grace to help, you see it there in verse 16. The last, the last sentence in that verse Grace to help. And that is, a, that, is an amazing, that is an amazing word there. 
That word help means to frap a vessel. And there's a beautiful picture here. Back in the age of wooden ships, when there was a vessel that was caught in a storm, the sailors would frap the vessel. And when they frapped the vessel, it means that they would throw ropes or cables overboard and around underneath the ship and up the other side. And they would bind that ship, that hull together with those cables to keep it from flying apart. And you can read about it back in Acts chapter 27 when Paul was caught in that terrible Eurocula, that terrible storm. It says that the sailors put helps on the ship, and that means that they, they put cables or ropes around that hull to hold it together. It's wonderful. You know, in time of need, we can draw near to Jesus. We can come trustingly to him, and he's going to wrap us with his grace and with his power and with his wisdom and with his peace. All we need to do is come. Isn't that wonderful? You know, there's lots of people that go to lots of different places to try to find help for their needs. We're invited to come to the throne of grace tonight. Oh, there's some that go to the bottle. There's some that go to Google. There's some that take drugs. There's some that go to the horoscopes. Prince Harry said that he tried magic, hallucinogenic mushrooms to deal with the grief and the trauma in his life. I don't know if it worked. Praise God. We can come to the throne of grace. No matter what our needs are. And we have a friend who's going to wrap us in his arms of mercy and grace. He will help us deal with the temptations and the trials and the needs of the present. So that we can have a yesterday of happiness. And a future of hope. We can draw close to God tonight, or we can draw back. That choice is ours. It says in Hebrews 10, verse 38, Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Hebrews 10, verse 22, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. James 4, verse 8, Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. What direction is your heart inclined tonight? Is it drawn toward God or is it drawing back and drawing away and being drawn after something else? The choice is yours. Your past and your future depend on how you will answer that question. I'd like to extend an invitation tonight. If your heart has gotten cold and You've wandered away from God or you're living with the past that's not been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. If you're afraid of the future and what it holds, you can make the right choice here tonight and come to Jesus. Do we have a song that we could sing, brother? Just a couple verses. 728. If the Lord is speaking to your heart, maybe you've never made a commitment to be his son or daughter, this invitation is for you. If you've fallen away or you have needs in your life, this invitation is for you as well. 728.
Let's sing. Just stand to your feet if there's a need in your life that you need to acknowledge tonight. To the Savior now we gently call Well, that invitation is for each one of us tonight to renew that solemn vow, and I believe the Lord will honor that request. Let's stand for closing prayer. Dear Father, we come to you at the close of this service tonight. We thank you for the blessing of being part of your family, Lord, and knowing you as our personal Savior and friend. Lord, we thank you for the throne of grace where you've promised to meet us, Lord, and supply whatever our needs are. I just pray that you would bless each soul in this congregation, Lord, and may you meet the needs of our heart this week as we look into your word, Father, and may each one be refreshed and revived in their walk with you. Keep us in your care as we go home tonight and Give each one a good day tomorrow. Grant each one health and strength for the the coming days, we pray in Jesus' name.